MLM Nation, episode 738. Welcome to MLM Nation, a podcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders, hosted by Simon Chan. He's built a team of over 200,000 and is now a full-time MLM coach and trainer. So if you're ready to level up your business, join us now. Let's do this. Hey, MLM Nation. If you're frustrated at where you're at, I have some good news. I finally, now that the book launch has happened, my book is published, I actually have some time for one-on-one coaching to help you. During this program, this is not a group coaching. It's actually hands-on one-on-one coaching. I give you my cell phone. You can reach out to me seven days a week and I actually hold your hand and show you exactly what to do during the five steps. Everything from your video to your presentation. I look at your slides. I look at what words you're using so that you can close more prospects. I hold you accountable and help you grow your business faster. Uh, obviously, I can't take everyone. It's a short application process. If, you go, if you're interested, go to mlnation.com forward slash coaching. Okay, mlnation.com forward slash coaching. Take five minutes to apply. Let me know more about you. And after you fill out the application, I'll reach out to you within 24 hours. Anyway, I look forward to helping you. I really want, let's do this together. Let's make the rest of the year your best year. And I want to help you. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan. I'm fired up to bring our special guest today. We have John Solider. Hey, John, are you ready to make it happen? Man, I, I am, Simon. I can't wait to do this. John Solider has over 40 years of network marketing experience. and has been at the top rank in five companies. He's also done consulting with three of the largest MLM companies, and also has written four books, including two Amazon bestsellers. One of them is called Moving Up 2020, and the latest one is Leaving Nothing to Chance. So, John, welcome to MLM Nation. I'm curious, um, what were you doing before you got started in network marketing way, way back in the early 80s? Well, believe it or not, I, I was a college student, and I was studying journalism and economics at uh, a university back on the East Coast, Seton Hall University. And a guy who I had wrestled with in high school, who was a couple of years older, came into the gym one day. And I was selling health club memberships just to make a few dollars before I graduated. And he told me about a company and that I could start my own business for $32. And uh, believe it or not, Simon, $32 in 1983 was a lot of money to me. But I wrote him a check, asked him to hold it till Friday. I didn't tell him which Friday. And uh, I got started and I went home that night. And I opened the box that he gave me for the $32 check I gave him. And the products were interesting. But to me, what was really interesting was when I got into the career book, this company called the career book. And I looked at the compensation plan. And I finished my my schoolwork about 10 o'clock that night. And I sat down and I started to draw circles and, you know, all kinds of math equations. And about four o'clock that morning, I was a millionaire on paper for the first time. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, man, this is going to be easy. Everybody's going to want to do this. Well, I found out pretty quick that not everybody wanted to do it. But because the business was based on a math model, that it was doable. And uh, it took me about seven years to, you know, to live that dream and, and make my first million dollars in the industry. But the business made sense to me because it was very, very logical and very well laid out. So uh, that's how I got started as a college student in uh, April of 83. Graduated college uh, May 18th, 1983, and then President Ronald Reagan uh, was our commencement speaker. And he spoke about the fact that way back in 1932, when he graduated college, that the economy was in bad shape. 
Uh, and he went back to the swimming hole where he had been a lifeguard prior to uh, graduation on his end. And a uh, successful man said, find a mentor. And that was great advice from the president. And I realized real quick, Simon, that I had already found not only a mentor, but mentors within that company that I joined. And I started to be mentored by them. June 1983, went to my first real event, Hartford, Connecticut, several thousand people there. And I heard the guy who became my mentor and my long-term friend, still my long-term friend, Larry Thompson, speak that day. And uh, as they say, the rest was history. After that, I just said, hey, this is what I'm going to do for a living. But uh, before that, I had a lot of odd jobs. I did everything from wait tables to be a busboy to to uh, do construction and a lot of construction work. My, my uh, dad was a electrician, so I did some construction work. I painted houses. I raked leaves. I did every odd job imaginable to make money. I even bartended at one point. So uh, did a lot of stuff before uh, I was blessed to find network marketing. It's fascinating. I got so many questions to ask you. So when your friend, your wrestler friend, how did he present to you? He approached you. Was it like a uh, flip chart presentation. Um, how did he, what was the presentation that you saw that got you excited? Well, I, I, I was still competing then in, in uh, primarily in judo at that point, uh, a little bit of wrestling still, but mostly in judo. And I always had a energy problem because I always went to school and I always worked after school. I always had, you know, something in that case, I was selling uh, health club memberships after school. So I was burning the candle at both ends and that particular company had an energy product. And he pitched me on the energy. He said, hey, man, this is going to help your workouts be better, going to help you to you know, do your schoolwork better, help you pay attention better in class. And that resonated with me. That got me very, very excited. Um, I didn't really need to lose a lot of weight at that point, but I was interested in the, in the product, certainly. But the business is what got me, to be very honest with you. The business, when he told me I could be in business for myself because – Nobody in my business, Simon, had ever had their own their own business. Nobody. Uh, any generation, you know, my, my uh, parents, grandparents were all uh, from Europe. Nobody ever had their own business. They all just worked for other people. So I thought it was fascinating for that for, you know, a little tiny amount, $32, even though that was a big amount to me. It was not a big amount in the grand scheme of things, even in 1983, that I could be self-employed. So I said, hey, why not? You know, even if I do this for fun and do it on the side, I might learn something. I was open-minded. and. Um, you know, I got started. And, and uh, that very first couple of weeks, I put together some of the people that I knew from the gym. And I wound up the very first month making $800. And that was huge money to me in 1983, huge money. And got me very, very excited. And it also showed me more importantly, that the business could work for a guy like me, average guy, normal skills, you know, no you know, no great upbringing in terms of business or anything. But it showed me that a normal person if they just followed the recipe for success, to be successful. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. Eight hundred dollars probably would be about like twenty-five, three grand now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were uh, what nineteen years old? How old were you back then? I was uh, yeah, nineteen eighty-three. Let's say I was born in sixty-one. So I was what was I twenty-one? Yeah, tw tw I, uh, I was twenty, going on twenty-one. Yeah. So you're uh, twenty-one so years old, college kid. Most people struggle in network marketing. How did like a twenty-one-year-old college kid? have success so much success so quickly you know I, I was lucky that i had uh some good mentors um the guy who was above tom was another guy from uh, northern new jersey where i was from and he was making six thousand dollars a month at that point he had been in that, that company for three years he was one of the founding distributors 
And uh, I looked to him for answers because uh, I knew my, my sponsor really didn't know what he was doing. Quite honestly, I figured that out pretty quick. He knew how to sponsor me, but after that, he, he wasn't really making a lot of money on his end. Uh, so I, I was smart enough to go upline and I met this guy, uh, Mark uh, Zuckerbrot, and I started to pick his brain a little bit. And then I started to go to the meetings and, you know, the Tuesday night, Thursday night meetings that were taking place. I attended them when I could. You know, I still had school and I was still a competitive athlete and everything else. And I'm still working as well. So I went to those and then the Saturday morning training classes. I went and I took notes and I asked questions. Uh, to me, it was like being in school because even though I had a formal education, at the end of the day, I realized that most of the people I had that formal education from, even though they were really smart at what they did and what they taught, they didn't know how to make money. And all of a sudden, I was around these entrepreneurs that I could say, hey, how, how do you retail product? How do you recruit somebody and teach them the business? And fortunately, that company had very, very good training. And, uh, you know, it's been, that, that particular company, their training is what's become the training in so many companies in the industry that have spun off over the last 40 years. You know, I hear people say stuff and I'm like, yeah, I learned that in 1983. <laughs> you know, as a college kid, you know, it hasn't changed a whole lot. It's changed because of the internet somewhat, but it still hasn't changed in terms of the philosophy of training a new distributor. What are some common mistakes that people make? You made money really quickly, right? but most people, uh, they, a lot of people struggle. What are some common mistakes you've seen over the years? Same ones. Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, if you start out and you have some success, whatever that success happens to be, and all of a sudden you want to reinvent the wheel. You say, you know, I want to go and I want to do thus and so because I think I can go faster. A lot of times it'll slow you down. What got you to be successful in the first place is what you need to continue to do on a long-term basis. You know, for example, I'm known as a guy that teaches the 10 penny principle, which is goes back to Bobby Depew in the 1960s, right? Bobby Depew and Jim Rohn and all of those guys uh, with, with Best Line. I still teach that to this day. Now, that 10-penny principle may not be talking to 10 live people because of you know, COVID and everything that's happened, but can you talk to 10 people on the internet? Can you talk to 10 people on your cell phone? Can you talk to you know, five people at the gym and five people uh, on WhatsApp? Sure. Just constantly be promoting your business on a, on a consistent daily basis. And if you have 10 in mind, some days it may not be 10, realistically, but if you have that in mind, it becomes a discipline. And just like a discipline, uh, you know, I know your son's a ball player, for example. He has certain disciplines he has to do to be good at baseball. It's no different in our business. When you get away from the disciplines that got you successful in the first place is when your business is probably going to go the wrong direction and you have to take the corrective actions. I've seen companies do this, by the way, in my consulting life. I've seen companies, they're succeeding, and all of a sudden they decide, well, let's not do that anymore. Let's try to go faster. Let's bring in an outside consultant and change everything. Or let's do some other silly thing. And all of a sudden, the business goes the wrong way. And then it might take them a year, two years, three years to recover what they did. So it's, it's that consistency that creates, in my opinion, greatness, consistency with discipline. But like I said, the biggest mistake I see is when people alter what already got them successful. All of a sudden, they know more than their upline. They know more than the company. They know more than you know, whatever it is that got them there and they start to alter it. And that's a mistake. So go back to your roots, go back to the basic fundamentals that made you successful in the first place. And you're probably going to find the same thing. The other thing is, and I learned this from, from Jim Rohn. I had lunch with Jim Rohn a number of years ago here in Dallas. And Jim got on me and the, the other two guys that we were having lunch with for not taking notes during lunch. And he made a really eloquent point, Simon. He said, what if the waiter comes up and he says something so profound 
and you don't capture it in your notes and you never see the waiter again. He said, forget what I said. Forget what everybody else at the table says. What if it's the waiter? And it was like, wow. So take notes because you can never trust your memory, especially, you know, you're doing this 40 years like I am. Your memory's not as good as it once was. But even if you're a young guy or a young gal, take the notes, commit it to paper, because then whatever it is that you've learned from somebody else becomes yours. I didn't create the 10 penny principle. Okay. I didn't create most of what I've done. I took it from other people who were already successful and I adopted it into my business and I've done it continuously and it's worked for me in five companies and it's worked in countless distributors that I've taught these things to through the years. Yeah. Recently I read somewhere, um, it's like, it's like reading a book twice, right? The second time you read a book, you don't re- you don't just realize how much you forgot, but how you need to change, right? How the, like when you look, go back to your notes, well, all the stuff that you're supposed to take action on, but you haven't done. Right? And yeah. there's no way, I think the older you get, you don't remember anything, right? <laughs> your memory's not as sharp. Uh, you definitely need those notes and then to take action on those notes. Uh, tell me more about this. You had a lunch with Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn was, I consider, one of my mentors that got me really going in the beginning. Uh, what else did you learn from that lunch with Jim Rohn? And wh- when was this? This is an amazing, yeah, it's an amazing experience. It would have been 1994. And I was working here in Dallas. Um, my, my, I started uh, doing consulting work in the early 90s, in addition to being a, a lead distributor. And a company here in Dallas actually hired me to come in and do some things for them in the early stages of their development. And one of the two guys that uh, was working there had actually uh, done some writing and done some work for Jim. And he said to me, he came to my office, he said, you want to have lunch with Jim today? And I didn't connect the dots. Jim, I mean, you know, a lot of guys named Jim, right? I'm just Jim who, right? He goes, oh, oh, Rome. I go, well, I want to have lunch with Jim Rome. I mean, that's like, you know, <laughs> well, I want to have lunch with the Pope. You know what I mean? Like, like I, you know, of course, I'm Jim Rome. Yeah, my God, I, you know, I'll buy. I mean, where are we going and when, what's, what time, you know? And so anyway, we went to lunch and uh, it was myself and a guy named Ron Reynolds, who was uh, worked with Jim on the Seasons of Life, and uh, Charlie Regis, who uh, unfortunately passed away. He was the... Uh, founder of AdvoCare here in Dallas, and um, and Jim. And uh, Jim was doing a seminar, a generic seminar, uh, that night here in town. He was here for the weekend. So we went to lunch at a restaurant here in uh, Richardson, Texas. And during the course of that lunch, you know, we thought it was a you know, casual lunch, so to speak. There was no casual lunch with Jim Rohn. It was always a teaching session. Not necessarily that he was there to teach you, but that there would always be no idle conversation. Conversation was always about philosophy, strategy, tactics, uh, business development. Like, you know, he didn't waste time. Let's put it that way. And during the course of that lunchtime, it was an amazing thing because we had adopted a philosophy that we always took notes. We always had, had, had you know, back then daytimers, right? Today, I know people take notes on their phones and such. But um, I had my daytimer in the car and Jim looked at one point at myself and the other two guys. And he said, uh, these guys are older, John. He said, I don't know if I can save them or not, but you're still young enough to be saved. I was about 35 at the time. Uh, and I knew exactly what he meant was, you don't have your daytime. You're not writing anything down. How do you expect to remember anything that's said here that's relevant? So I, I ran to the car. You would have thought I was Usain Bolt. I got to the car and back in about one minute. But I was embarrassed, quite honestly, right? I mean, here's the guy that's teaching everybody in the world, take notes, take notes, take notes. We're having lunch with him. We're not taking notes. So I brought the daytimer back in. I started taking notes. And then he made that comment. He said, you know, what if the waiter said something so profound and you never meet the waiter again? 
And it just, it, it got me. And ever since then, before that, I was good taking notes. Since then, I've got it gotten even better. I, in my office here, I, I have over 100 day timers filled with notes from you name it. You know what I mean? If, if I heard them speak, whether it's network marketing, whether it's a, a, a pastor, perhaps, that I like to listen to, whether it's a, even a politician, even if I don't agree with them necessarily, if they say something, I'm going to capture it. And I'm going to use it if I can, for my business. But more than that, I'm going to use it to educate myself. It's a fascinating story. Um, I want to ask you, bring it back, you said the 10 penny principle. That's basically like putting 10 pennies in your pocket, in your left pocket, and then every time you talk to someone, you put it in the right pocket. You, you got it. Yep. yep. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I, think, I think a lot of, another reason people, um, I think it's related to what you say, trying to reinvent the wheel, they get stuck is they're not coachable, right? They think they know, like they don't do what the upline tells them. They think they know better. Exactly. Well, and, and, and like anything in life, you know, if you look at the best people in sports, for example, they all have coaches. You know, yeah. uh, if you look at you may not know their coach's name, but, you know, uh, I mean, use Tom Brady as an example. You know, the guy's still good at 45 years old. He has coaches. He has he has strength coaches. He has throwing coaches. He has his nutrition coaches. Why is the guy still at the top of his game? LeBron James, et cetera. So we see it in the athletic world. We see it in the business world. Um, you know, how many times you hear a successful business person and a reference, you know, whether it's Tom Peters or whether it's, it's Jim Collins or whether it's any of the other business gurus that they might pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for their counsel on a regular basis. Tony Robbins has counseled, you know, countless politicians, business leaders, et cetera, et cetera. And so you look at it and you say, I know so-and-so who's at the top of their profession. They have counsel from somebody. And what happens once again is when we start going the wrong way, we forget the good counsel that we were getting and we think that we know it all. And that's when we get ourselves into trouble. And, it's, and generally, that's when your income goes the wrong way, your organization goes the wrong way. And I, for 40 years, I've watched this movie and people say, you know, how did you get to the top of five companies, top rank? Well, I used the 10 penny principle. I used daily method of operation. I used the things that I learned in 1983 as a college kid. If I never sat through another training class, what I learned in 1983, 1984 would have been sufficient for me to be successful. Now, in the internet age, have I had to learn some new skills because of technology? Of course, we all have, right? Have I had to pivot because of COVID the last couple of years and do a lot of stuff like we're doing now on Zoom? Of course. You know, I, I was a meeting guy. I flew all over the world doing meetings, you know, Europe, Asia. South Central America, et cetera. I've been all over the world and uh, great experiences. But at the end of the day, very, very expensive. So, you know, learning to pivot was important, but I haven't changed the fundamentals of my business. You know, right before you and I were talking here, I, I, I texted you and then I got a text from a guy that I'm actually sponsoring today who was having trouble signing up on my website. So I connected him with the general manager of our company so that he can get customer service to call the guy so it can get done. Well, here I am, 40 years in the business, still personally enrolling people in my business. How many 40-year veterans do that? More importantly, how many four-year veterans do that? We think that, well, I've already arrived. I'm making X amount of dollars. And they forget this business is still about new enrollment, new business, and expanding your business on a consistent basis. Yeah, absolutely. And not getting into the death trap management mode. Yeah, 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 that'll kill it faster than anything. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the aha moment for you? Where looking back at your journey, uh, maybe probably the early 80s, where things really, really took off for you at that point? Well, I, I think there were a couple of them, but the, the, probably the most important one was when I realized that anybody really could learn the business. And what I mean by that is when I looked at the success of people in the industry, even in the 80s, 
They had no special training, but they were consistently good students. They took what they learned and they applied it, right? Like there's a statement that um, uh, a guy named Joe uh, Gandolfo, who was one of the top insurance men in the world, uh, he wrote a book called uh, Ideas are a Dime a Dozen, but the men who implement them, it could be women as well, of course, but the, the, the men who implement them are priceless. Well, I have a lot of ideas for my business constantly, and so do a lot of other distributors. But what actually works that you could teach a new person coming out of today's meeting that he or she could go out and replicate and turn into equity for themselves? What's equity? Equity is, hey, they either retail product or they sponsor somebody into their, their program. If I'm not teaching that, and I think I'm so smart that I want to be the smartest guy in the room as opposed to the most duplicatable guy in the room then my business gets off track. So to me, it was when I realized anybody can learn the business. And I saw people at all different levels of education uh, doing it. Um, I worked, uh, the company I worked with in the late 80s in uh, Toronto, for example, I had a lot of immigrants and I had a lot of single moms. It's weird. It was like, you know, it was like nine out of 10 of my distributors were either immigrants, okay, from other countries. In some cases, they struggled with English and yet they still built businesses (coughs) because they had good training. Or they were single moms. And in some cases, they were both. And I said, well, single moms can do it with all of the challenges that they have raising children on their own. Immigrants can do it who don't necessarily grasp English like you and I do. If they can do it, what's wrong with the person who was born here right in the United States of America, et cetera, et cetera? Why aren't they achieving? I said, oh, the difference is being teachable. Teachable, coachable, whatever word you want to use, but being teachable on a consistent basis and not thinking that you know it all. And when you think you know it all, and you stub your toe and you start going backwards, go back to what worked in the first place and you're going to find it worked again. And that's where those notes, by the way, are super important. What did I do when I started? That's what I'm going to go back and I'm going to do again. That's awesome advice there. Um, Nate, here's my favorite question, especially if you've been doing this for 40 years. What's your worst, worst moment in network marketing? Uh, sure. That yeah, I, got, yeah. I, I saw your question on that last night. <laughs> I probably got a couple of them, but... My worst moment was I chose to leave that company that had brought me in as a consultant right before it really took off. We had put together all the strategy, the tactics for about three and a half years. And the owner and I had a difference of opinion on a couple of things. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to leave. And uh, I did. And um, uh, it cost me not only a tremendous amount of money, but it was like I did all the hard work. And I made the mistake. It was my decision to leave. It wasn't, wasn't the company. The company was, you know, would even welcome me back for a short period of time. But I made a decision to leave uh, based on some things. And I look back on that. And because we were dealing in sports nutrition and my background besides multi-level as well athletic, uh, I would have enjoyed that business a lot, I think. So I cost myself some opportunity, not only in terms of economics, because I, I, you know, I've more than made up the money and the other things that I've done. But in terms of some of the life experiences that I was having at that point, uh, that I decided I was smarter then and I, I chose to leave the company. So that was a mistake, big mistake on my part. And sometimes, you know, when you're young and I, I, you know, I was young and single then, you know, so I thought, well, you know, I'll just go do something else. Well, I, I should have stayed there. That was that was a mistake on my part. But, um, you know, I made a few others, but that was that was a major one. What was um, was it more looking back? Was it because of uh, pride, ego? What difference in philosophy? What was it that made you leave? Uh, it, it, it was just a, a uh, ego thing between myself and the guy who owned the company. And I have learned a lesson the hard way that the owner 
not necessarily that an owner is always right because we know a lot of them aren't. But in this case, the owner was 20 plus years older than me. He had my my interest at heart and I made a mistake basically, you know, out of ego saying, well, I'll just go do this again. Hey, I did it here. I did it elsewhere. I'll go do it again. I would I would have had a lot of fun in that business um, and a lot of experiences. I, I mean, we one experience I did have. I went to the 1996 Olympics, you know, got to sit Matt's side and watch freestyle wrestling, my favorite sport, you know, live because I was part of that company. And then right after that, I left. And uh, so looking back, you know, that was a, that was a mistake. And I've made, I believe me, I've made my share. We could have a whole podcast about <laughs> all the mistakes that I've made. But that was that was one. And, you know, sometimes, you know, for your younger listeners, Simon, you know, sometimes you do things out of ego. Hey, just step back for a minute. Catch your breath. Maybe even walk away from your business for whatever, a week, two weeks and think it through. I should have thought it through a little bit better than I did at that time. How important is consistency to success? 100 percent. 100 percent. You know, it's like. um you know, it's like working out, right? Like, you know, you go to the gym and you spend three hours, you know, I mean, I know we're coming up here on New Year's, right? You know, you go to the gym, right? You know, the January 2nd and you have to park a block away. You go on February 1st and you park in front of the gym. What's the difference? It's all the people who said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to kill it. They go into the gym for three hours on January 2nd and they overdo it on January 3rd. They're sore. They don't go back to the gym until January 7th. By January 15th, they think, well, I'm going to cancel my membership. And by February 2nd, they do. Whereas the person who knows, hey, how you exercise, how you train is a consistency thing. Well, it's the same in business. It just be consistent. I'm going to talk to 27 people today. Well, I'd sooner see you gear yourself to say, hey, use the 10 penny principle, get consistent with contacting 10, knowing full well that three out of the 10 might have an interest in your product and or your opportunity. And out of those three, one's actually going to buy some product today, be it as a customer or distributor. And you're actually going to make a little bit of money today. If you do that consistently, you're going to have those numbers start to add up. And all of a sudden, your first full month in the business, let's say you have a half a dozen customers, two, three distributors, you do that over a consistent three months, six months, year, you're going to have a real income. Okay, You're going to at least a very serious part-time income in any, in any decent pay plan, right? So it, I'd rather see somebody be consistent than try to, you know, become uh, Dexter Yeager in one afternoon. You know, they like, like, you know, do it consistently, uh, build your business consistently. And also, you know, and, and I hang out with a lot of guys that are long-term like myself, 40 plus years in the business, 50 plus years in the business, 30 plus years in the business. Every one of them is a model of consistency, every one of them. And, and every one of them that's been at a company a long time, like, uh, you know, uh, be it Jeff Roberti, be it Dan McCormick, uh, there's a lot of others. Every one of those guys is a model of consistency. They consistently do what they need to do. Joe Garcia, who I think uh, is a friend of yours in Toronto, Joe's a model of consistency. He, you know, he does things very, very well and very, very consistent. And that's why these guys also have, you know, nice large businesses and nice large residual incomes. Yeah, awesome advice there. Hey, ML Nation, I have a new and free tool to help you out, to help you achieve your goals. Hey, most goals fail because they don't apply the seven components of the consistency system. So I created a cheat sheet for you. This is based up from my book, The Consistency System, the seven components that help you increase sales and transform your business. It's free. Just head over to mlnation.com forward slash system. Tell me about the two books that you wrote. 
and you have okay. a podcast. So what motivated yeah. you to write the first one? Let's talk about the, the moving well, up. 20- Moving Up 2020 was actually a book that I first wrote in 2004 with the same title. Um, I had been part of redesigning the compensation plan for my current company that I'm still with. Uh, and um, we put in a Moving Up bonus. So I wrote a book called Moving Up. That was in 2004. I updated it again in 2011. And then finally, when 2020 was coming, you know, 2020 being like 2020 vision and all of that is a good thing. 2019, I I updated it again. I added some things to it. I deleted some things from it. And uh, moving up 2020, I included about 15 stories of different people in network marketing, not all in my company. Some are people I just mentioned. Some are people in other companies, you know, friends of mine in the industry like yourself know a lot of people. I wanted to include their stories their leadership stories. And so that came out in 2020. I was an Amazon bestseller, still still out there. That was something I told my kids when they were younger. My son was a uh, pretty good hockey player. My daughter was a pretty good figure skater. And, you know, figure skating is a weird sport because it's all subjective, right? You've got judges, you're being judged, right? Um, and that. Um, and I told her one time, she came, went to a competition and she really skated well and she finished last. I said, Grace, next time you have to do everything as perfectly as you possibly can, because in a judge's eyes, they did not see what you saw. And I agree with you. You really skated well. But she's in tears. She's like 11 years old at the time. And um, I even went out and I got some shirts made so that they could wear them underneath their gear. And my son had tried out for a team here in Dallas, uh, a travel team, and he didn't make it. He was like the last cut. He actually got hurt in a tryout, and, and coach chose not to take him. And, you know, once again, I had him in tears the next day. And I said, you got to leave nothing to chance next time. You scored two goals and both goals you scored. The coach was looking the other way. He was looking at other stuff. He didn't see you score the goals, So he didn't take you. And then you got hurt and you didn't make the team. After that, um, my son made every team he ever tried out for. And because he got that attitude where, hey, I don't know if the guy's looking at me right now or not, but I'm going to do everything I possibly can. So that was the philosophy. And then I said, let me apply that to our network marketing business. When you go to see a prospect, right, somebody that could come in your business, you don't know if they can be a game changer or not, Simon. Right? You, you don't know who you're dealing with. You know, uh, for example, I had a, a young kid, 19 years old, that I sponsored in 1989 in a company that I was working in in Toronto. And uh, this kid, most people wouldn't even have talked to him about the business. He was actually working on what they call a roach coach, right? One of those little trucks that come along with coffee and sandwiches and stuff. And he came to our office. We were in an industrial park that was having some construction done. And I talked to this guy, Ralph. Ralph led me to my top distributor in that company. Turned out his mom was friends with this guy's wife. She had just had a baby. She needed to lose weight. You know the story, right? Introduced me to this guy. He becomes my top distributor, right? Leave nothing to chance. Well, back to the concept. In a presentation, do you give that prospect everything that he or she needs to make a real business decision, right? Leave nothing to chance, right? Make sure that you have your facts about your products, about your pay plan, about your management team, about your philosophy, about most importantly, how are you personally going to lock arms to teach that person the business, right? If you have all of that, you've left nothing to chance. Now, if the person says, still says, hey, Simon, you know what? Hey, this sounds great, but it's not for me. So be it. You did your job. And to me, that became a philosophy. So I wrote that book, Leave Nothing to Chance. I, I, I wrote it with a friend of mine in Toronto, Foster Owusu, who has a great life story as well. 
uh, coming from Ghana and coming to North America really with nothing and being very successful now. So we wrote that book together. And then out of that, we started the podcast, Leaving Nothing to Chance. Leave Nothing to Chance was owned by a bank, believe it or not, for podcasts. So I had to make the podcast Leaving. And I wanted to do, you know, like yourself, just be a voice in the industry to interview all of these great people that we know that have stories that can help other people. Because even though I make my income from one company specifically, I'm an industry guy. I believe in network marketing. I believe in all the good parts of network marketing. And I've seen so much success over the years uh, of other people that I want to be able to help to share some of those insights with other folks. So we started leaving nothing to chance uh, February, 2021, I think it was. And, uh, you know, we keep it going we do it now every other week that we have a new show out. Uh, December, we're taking off. We're just kind of airing the old shows, but uh, January 10th, we'll be back with a new show. And just uh, once again, to educate people, give them the same opportunity I got in 1983. That's awesome. I love it when uh, we need more people like you, good people for the industry, who stay in the industry and then give back. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. Love, love, love the show. Love, love what you're doing. And got, got to get you on our show now. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. It would be a ton of fun. <laughs> Hey, um, you've been awesome, John. As we wrap up, some really quick questions to pick your brain. Is this going to be quick one sentence, one-liners? Okay. So the first one is, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? You know, I go back to that meeting in June 1983. For things to change, you have to change. For things to get better, you have to get better. Right out of the, the Jim Rohn playbook. But that's a philosophy for life. It's not just for network marketing. It's for everything. What is one habit that's helped you become successful? I would say the the ten penny principle was the thing because any time that my business is not growing, any time that I'm dissatisfied with my income, I go back to talking to new people on a consistent basis, and all of a sudden, just like the gentleman that's signing up today, you know, it's like wow! All of a sudden, somebody says, "Yeah, hey, I want to do that," and I'm back in business. And every time I sponsor a new person, it's like opening a new store in a new town because I don't know who they know and who their customers are going to be. So it's the ten penny principle is the basic fundamental I've built five businesses with. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Oh, boy. Um, wow, that's a great one. Probably not to quit when it got tough. Uh, got, you know, gotten tough on me at different times, different situations where I've just wanted to walk away. Uh, my current company I've been with now for 25 years, and we've gone through management changes, ownership changes, leadership changes, and... I've constantly been the voice of reason with my people that, hey, whatever they're saying, if I disagree with it, I, you know, I, I, I will you know, air it because I built what I built within my company. Not that I, I disrespect ownership or leadership corporately, but at the end of the day, we know corporately and multi-level people come and go. So at the end of the day, what's important is that you stay to the core philosophies that you built your business with on a consistent basis and your business will outlive you know ownership management and, and you know lord knows what else what's your favorite prospecting tool you use say you have a qualified prospect uh someone's interested do you jump on the phone with them do you send them a quick video do you uh hop on zoom or you meet them face to face what are you what do you like to do john my because i'm old i still like to meet people face to face if they're here you know like i live in the dallas metroplex for example so if they're here obviously not everybody's here uh, so I have become a huge fan of Zoom. I think whoever created Zoom, I thank the good Lord for that person or persons every day. Those engineers 
saved all of us during COVID. And now this has become something, I mean, you know, you're in California, I'm in Dallas. And I mean, here we are, it's like we're in the same room. What a great tool. So I love Zoom. I, I, I do on average, you know, three, four Zoom meetings a day uh, for my business. And then, you know, stuff I do with the podcast and books and consulting and other stuff. But yeah, I've become a huge fan of Zoom. Um, still prefer, once again, if somebody's here, you know, hey, I'll meet them at Starbucks. Let's have a cup of coffee together, press the flesh, and get to know each other better. Or if I know them already, obviously, let's talk strategy. But most people don't live, you know, 15, 20 minutes from you. So, you know, to me, Zoom has become the tool that I use the most. What's your favorite app on your phone that's not a social media app? Oh, boy. Um, Non-business would be my Wim Hof app. I'm a Wim Hof advocate for those of your listeners who are not familiar with Wim Hof. He's uh, from Holland. Uh, he didn't create jumping in cold water, but he took it to the next level scientifically. And I've become a huge fan. I jump in the water first thing in the morning, 7 a.m. this morning, I'm out in my pool, 54 degree water, by the way. Not only does it wake me up, but it helps me with inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. So Wim Hof. My favorite business one would probably be WhatsApp. I have a lot of people on WhatsApp around the world. I my, my business, you know, like most of us in network marketing, you've been doing this a long time. You got people in other countries. So, you know, that 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 to me is the other great app that I use quite a bit. Hey, that's awesome. Wim Hof, the Iceman. Iceman. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think Coach Hours. I've been taking Coach Hours for years. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> It's a little tough at the beginning, the first two, three seconds, but afterwards you feel so good. Exactly, exactly. You know, I feel like when I take a warm shower, it feels good when I'm in there, but when I come out, I don't feel good. Exactly, exactly. I I, I became a Wim advocate. You know, it's just funny. It's like MLM, right? Real, real quick story. I heard about Wim Hof the first time from Dan McCormick, right? And then I heard about him uh, from David Avocado Wolf, who's a big health advocate. And then I turned on the TV one night, and I barely watched TV. I mean, I watch the odd ball game. For the most part, I'm not a TV watcher because, you know, most productive people aren't. There's a, there's another note for our, your listeners. But uh, anyway, I turn it on, and Brian Gumbel has his show, Real Sports, I think it's called. And he has a guy interviewing Wim up up in, in um, oh, somewhere on a mountain, you know, some alpine mountain in Europe. And I'm like, there's that guy again. Well, then we had the ice storm here in Dallas. This was two years ago. And going on three now. And my pool was frozen. So the second that my pool started to defrost, I said, I'm just going to hop in there and see how that feels. Well, I did. And I felt, wow, amazing. I feel great. And ever since then, I've just become a big advocate. I've, I've missed two days, basically, in the last two years. And, and I don't attend unless there's just some weird circumstance wherever I am in the world. I start with uh, cold water therapy every day. You know, one of my major complaints, pet peeves, is when I go to a hotel, I travel, and the water is uh, not cold enough. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a cold shower, like a warm shower. Exactly. Well, I noticed even even a lot of celebrities say, you know, I know Russell Brand's doing it now. I know Tom Brady's doing it now. I know I know uh, um, uh, Chris Hemsworth, the guy who played Thor. I know he's doing it now. So you know, it's kind of gotten in that world, which means it'll become very vogue with all those celebrities doing it. But uh, yeah, I'm a big believer in it, big time. Aside from your books, what are two or three books you could recommend to ML Nation? Um. The Millionaire Training Book that uh, my my 40-year mentor and very close friend now who lives here in Dallas also, the Millionaire Training Book that Larry Thompson put together. It's got some great, great content in it, got some great concepts in it. Um, as a, a life philosophical tool, the seasons of life that Jim Rohn put together many years ago, it's such a, a great metaphor for not only uh, the Bible, for those of us that are believers, uh, but even if you're a non-believer, 
certainly are going to agree with a lot of the concepts in it about the seasons of life, you know, consistent with the seasons of the year. I just love that book. I reread it, you know, probably every three months. I'll just pick it up and and reread it again. You know, those are those are two. I mean, there's there's obviously countless more. Uh, anything I can get a hold of, by the way, that was ever written by any of the core, the, the core leadership in the industry, for example, Art Williams, the founder of uh, A.L. Williams, now Primerica, wrote a book called All You Can Do Is All You Can Do, But All You Can Do Is Enough. And when I read that the first time, Simon, probably 30 years ago, I didn't understand it. As a 61-year-old guy, I understand it. There are days when everything that you could do, you've done, go to bed. <laughs> go take a cold shower, go jump in the pool, go talk to your wife, go do something else, because there are days when you just have to realize you've done everything that you could do. And so I understand that title today. It's a great book that Art Williams wrote. And the other thing is any of the leadership I can get my hands on of, of anything from the Amway Corporation, uh, the leadership, you know, the Dexter Yeagers, the, the, the Bill Britts, you know, all of those great leaders that that corporation's had over these many years, uh, because it's so sound and so very fundamental. Uh, to the business. Uh, you know, I've got a library of, of, of stuff from uh, some of those guys as well. And here's the last question, the million dollar question. You ready? I'm ready. Imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one, but yet all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing or the first place to go to find prospects and build a network marketing business from scratch? Well, the first place I would actually go is Starbucks. And I don't even drink coffee, but here's what I know. When I go in Starbucks and I think about Howard Schultz, the, the, the founder or, uh, of Starbucks, he really wasn't the founder. He actually bought the, the, the products from a company he worked for, but he took the, you know, the strategy, obviously, it's been his. When I go in Starbucks, and there's one right on the corner from my house here, I could walk there in five minutes. And when I go in there, I see a lot of people with their laptops that are looking for their next gig. You know what I mean? Like you can tell they're in there, they're drinking a cup of coffee or whatever. They've got their laptop with them and they're either on the phone or they're typing notes to themselves. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are looking for what is it I'm going to do next. Right. Uh, so that it, it's a world of prospects to me. The other place I would go is to the gym, uh, not only because I, I, I like the gym and I'm a gym rat. But at the end of the day, most network marketing companies are selling something that is health promoting. Well, where do you find people who are like-minded? Well, you're going to find them generally at the gym, right? Especially this time of year, everybody who says, all right, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to clean up my health, they're at the gym. So it's, once again, a great group of prospects. Not that you want to bother somebody if they're on the treadmill, but hey, you're on the treadmill next to another person. Hey, boy, you know, I see you're really killing it today there, uh, you know, Joe Bob. And Joe Bob says, hey, a lot of Joe Bob's in Dallas, by the way, you know, Joe Bob says, yeah, 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 man, I'm really working at it. I'm going to get shaped this year. And you say, hey, well, you know what? Well, we're off of here. Let me give you a website to look at. Let me trade phone numbers. Let me buy you a cup of coffee. Whatever it happens to be. If there's a juice bar in the gym, great. Let me buy you a, a juice. Let me just tell you what I do here. Let's spend 10 minutes together. Well, first of all, just be a nice person. You're going to get to a new contact. Whether the person buys or not, who cares? At the end of the day, they're going to know what you do. You don't know that they may not be interested, but their buddy that doesn't come to the gym is interested in your product. You don't know. Once again, it's network marketing. Meet people constantly and add to your contact capital. Hey, you've been amazing. As we wrap up, any last words for advice? And then what's the best way listeners can connect with you, John? Um, wow. Well, if, if they want, you can just uh, send me a text to uh, 972-259-0875. That's my personal cell phone number. 
uh, and just send me a text. Okay, don't don't, don't call me because generally, if I don't recognize a phone number, I don't answer it. Okay, just send me a text. Say, hey, I heard down MLM Nation. Want to talk a little bit more? Of course, they can contact me through Leaving Nothing to Chance. Uh, you know, leavingnothingtochance.com has all of our archives on there, and we've had some well, we've got some great speakers on there. Everybody from you know Larry Thompson, Taylor Thompson, Dan, Dan McCormick. Uh, Foster Owusu, Randy Gage, um, Joe Garcia, on and on and on. I can't remember everybody offhand. Been about a hundred shows now, but just just all great speakers. Uh, interviewed last night a guy who, believe it or not, is the son of one of my former distributors who un- unfortunately passed away, uh, Arlene Lowy. But uh, he's a big time lawyer. He just wrote a book that uh, I interviewed him on last night. Just got some great concepts. Understands our our business really well, even though he's in the law profession. You know, so. Uh, interviewed some interesting people so they can contact me that way as well um but yeah just contact me sure Lo- love to get to know new people all the time uh and of course you can get our books you know on amazon or like everybody else and you know people send me all the time well you must make a lot of money on these books because you're always hawking books you know what folks i'm gonna tell you the truth you don't make money selling books you do if you're you know stephen king or somebody but for the most part if you write a book in network marketing for your own experiences you know you do it as a labor of love because, you know, just like yourself, Simon, I want to give back. This industry has blessed me. It's helped my family. It's helped my children. It's helped my wife. It's helped us to have a spectacular life. Uh, and at the end of the day, I want to see other people have the same opportunity that I had way back 1983 to do something significant with their life. If they do it within my company, great. But if they do it in any of the other great companies in the industry, absolutely. I'm just a fan of this industry. It's life-changing. It'll help you. It'll bless you. And most importantly, you can then take that message to a next generation. Hey, ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you may hang out with John Solider. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.com. Click on the podcast at the top of the show notes for all, all of John's contact info, also links to his book and his podcast. Definitely check him out. Follow him on social media as well. I'll put it that in there as well. Um, all that info will be in the show notes page. Hey, in order to be successful in life, business, and network marketing, you must help others. So, John, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much again, and God bless you. Thank you, Simon. You as well. Hey, ML Nation. I would love to prospect together with you and also help guide you on what to say, how to reply back to your prospects so that you can get your next customer or rep this week. Do you want to know how? Just go to PurposeDrivenNetworkers.com. Again, that's www.PurposeDrivenNetworkers.com. Hey, MM Nation, Simon Chan. I love that episode. Great show from John Solider. Hey. Definitely head over to mlnation.com, click on the podcast tab, go to the show notes page, and definitely connect with them. We always learn so, so, so much from these legends. Talk about 40 years in the profession. And a lot of nuggets here. You know what? 40 years, I didn't even ask him about how things have changed, but basically it still goes back to the fundamentals, right? Prospecting, working the DMO, and talk about the mistakes people make is I'm not coachable. I try to reinvent the wheel or the worst get into management mode, sign up a couple of people who try to change things. This is about the DMO, right? Prospecting, or he calls it 10 pennies a day. And uh, 10 pennies a day, you put 10 pennies in your left pocket. Every time you reach out to somebody, you invite them, you move one penny to the right pocket. And at the end of the day, you got to make sure those 10 pennies on the left side are on the right side. 10 invites a day. And out of 10, three will be interested. 
and one will buy or join, right? And it's doing that every single day. And I love the fact that he's doing it for 40 something years and still doing that. And he's actually hopping on to another Zoom to sign someone up today, right? Leaders are always prospecting, recruiting, needing new sales, new recruits. It's not about signing up a couple and then get into management training mode. You've heard it from other leaders. That is the kiss of death. That's one of the worst mistakes you can make in network marketing. I always talk about the three biggest mistakes. Number one is quitting, right? Quitting too early. Number two is getting the, getting to management mode. That's what we're talking about. You know, stop. You got a couple of sales and all of a sudden you're in the training mode. No, you got to keep making sales, keep bringing people in. That's how the majority of your time needs to be spent. And then the third biggest make, mistake is going full-time too early. Uh, you recruit four and you expect those four would be 16. And then you're going to be from 1,000, going to make 50,000 overnight and you're going to quit your job. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're struggling to pay your bills, right? That's the other mistake. So make sure you are staying consistent the 10 pennies a day. Um, I love to hear him sharing about the lunch with Jim Rohn, how, you know, taking notes and then oh, making sure that application is, you know, he shared about that, John. Ideas are cheap. Right, what you learn is great, but it's what you take action on that really matters. It's what you take action on, what you implement, implement, because ideas are dime a dozen. And you know, I think what's cool is anyone can be successful. Right, if you are coachable. You want to learn. You want to change. You want to take action on what you're learning, and stop saying, oh, "That's not me." Or "I can't do it that way." I'm not me. Do you just do it? Anyone can be successful. Uh, if you talk about the worst mistakes, letting ego get in the way. I think we have all made that mistake. I made that mistake as well. And you also talk about the consistency, right? Every leader is a model. And he named a lot of great leaders there from you know, Dan McCormick to uh, Larry Thompson, Joe Garcia. These are all leaders who have been on ML Nation. They all are consistently recruiting every single day. Uh, hey, great show. I'll let you uh, go listen to it. I would listen to this again. Think about the... I think it's, I was very, I really, really enjoyed talking to John. I just love people who have been in the profession for so long and it still comes back to the fundamentals. Um, yeah, he likes to meet face-to-face, but you could also do a Zoom, right? Uh, it is all about sticking. It, it, you know, the quote, his favorite quote from Jim Rohn, in order for things to change, you must change. In order for things to get better, you must get better. So I'll leave you on that. How do you need to get better? In what ways do you need to change? In what ways do you need to get better so that 2023 will not be like 2022. You'll be way, way better and hit your rank, hit your goals. You need to change. How are you going to change? How do you need to get better? Think about that and go take action on that. Hey, that's it. I'm Simon Chan. I'm loud and proud to be a part of this amazing profession. Uh, thanks again to John Salader. Go follow him. Go check out his books. I love the people who are giving back to the profession because ultimately that's what this business is about. That's what gives you long-term satisfaction is what you give back to it. So, hey, thanks again to John. Thank you for listening. Make sure you apply. Remember, ideas are cheap. Ideas are dime a dozen. It's what you apply that matters. Go out there, apply what you learn, and have a positive impact on someone's life. God bless you all.